SummerSlam is in the books and has it ever got the wrestling world divided? I know, it's not like wrestling fans to get head up over a Bloodline storyline, but it seems that's what we're doing. There's also Dissension in the Judgment Day, more big matches announced for All In at Wembley, which goes down in just a matter of weeks. We're here to talk about it all on Earning the Push. Jack Murley, professional broadcaster in the UK. Charlie Beckett, professional rugby player down under in Australia, looking snug as a bug in a rug in a fleece this week. What's going on? I'm just throwing out different styles each week. Last week was a vest, this week's a fleece, a little quarter zip. Um, it's a little bit chilly here this evening, if I'm allowed to say that. I know you'll mock me. It, um, I was in short and t-shirts, uh, coaches did, but then sun goes down a bit chilly, so I've got a nice little quarter zip on, which I hope's okay. Because it's Australian winter, isn't it? You're in the depth of Australian winter now, which is still what, like we 20 are- degrees? Oh, yeah, it was 23 degrees in the day, in the middle of the day, but it does it does go cold quickly in the evening, but... um. No, we're only here for another three weeks, though, so it's gone very, very quickly. Uh, we are going to go just as summer's coming around. That is the life of a professional player. You chase winters. Should have been a cricketer. Cricketers chase summers. I just chase the winters around the world. We will get into the wrestling in a minute, but if you were a cricketer, what do you think you would be? Batsman, bowler, all-rounder? Oh, I've got an absolute double life somewhere in another universe. There's a really aggressive fast bowler in me somewhere. I'd love to be a fast bowler just because... Gets to steam in and try and bolt at ninety miles an hour, and then gets to come in at number nine and just slog. Now that that would be my my absolute dream, really. I know batsmen are made of different stuff, but I think anyone seeing you trundling down the wicket, preparing to lob a ball at them, would be uh, they would be disappointed. They're wearing white. Let's say that. Well, of all the adjectives you could have used, you went for trundling. I'm sorry, I'm a commentator. I say what I see. <laughs> I say what I see. Well, look, let's get into it. It's been a hell of a week of wrestling. He's Charlie underscore Beckett on Twitter. I'm Jack underscore Murley. Uh, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen. We will be talking about more big matches signed for AEW All In, but we have to start with SummerSlam, the biggest party of the summer, Ford Field in Detroit. Show that went beyond four hours for WWE. Roman Reigns retains in tribal combat after Jimmy Uso betrayed his brother. Brock Lesnar versus Cody ends in a victory and a handshake for the American Nightmare. Seth Rollins retains his World Heavyweight Championship after shenanigans for the Judgment Day. But it is tribal combat above everything else that has got people talking, Charlie. Um, what did you think of the main event? Um, so... Maybe for the first time ever on this podcast, I'm not going to just wax lyrical about how much I love what the Bloodline did uh, at SummerSlam. Um, I didn't think it was bad by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but I had a few issues with it. So first of all, I don't, I don't hate the Jimmy turn. I mean, I hate Jimmy for doing it, but I don't hate the Jimmy turn. I think if played correctly, I think Jimmy versus Jay could very easily main event one night of WrestleMania next year. Uh, I think that story, there's money there. It's a story that's never been told before, and the two of them are hotter than ever, so I want to see it. So I don't hate that, but I just didn't enjoy the whole... So this was tribal combat, okay? Did any of it feel any different to you than just a no-DQ match? No. We spoke last week about, or possibly the week before, about how they could bring in some unique elements, the elders at ringside, maybe change the lighting up, do it in a respectful way. It felt very much like the Rumble match with Kevin Owens. It felt like a lot of... It felt like a Roman Reigns main event, didn't it, more than anything? Yeah. And they're 
they definitely mentioned it because I've seen it online. I've seen it in WWE's own writing, and then they obviously played away from it because they knew what they wanted to do. But when it was first announced, it was stated that no members of the family could interfere. That was what tribal combat means. And well, that just clearly wasn't adhered to with both Solo and um, Jimmy getting involved. So I didn't think it was bad. I think if it had just been a no DQ match, you would have gone, yeah, that was fine. And the Jimmy turn was a real surprise. I didn't see that coming. But I just feel like this may be for the first time a missed opportunity. They could have done some really cool and some unique stuff here. And I just feel they haven't. I feel like it was... Like, there's so much of the Bloodline story we'll speak about for a long, long time, about how great it is and unique and nothing quite like it. This wasn't a highlight in the Bloodline story for me. Is it because, let's be honest, Jay wasn't over enough? Is, is that it? Is that we never, we never anticipated that he really could do it? Because we had conversations about how it was the right time for Drew. It was certainly the right time for Cody could have been the right time for Sammy. You and I both came into this one. No real doubt that Roman was going to retain. Although, to be fair, at points, I had that they're surely not going to go this way. Yeah, I think it was probably the least likely of the last three challenges for sure in Sammy, Cody and Jay. I think there was definitely part of the wrestling world that felt like he could and there was some that felt like he should. But yeah, that, that probably played into it. I just think with the tribal combat and the way they have... Uh, delved into Samoan and uh, Polynesian culture and the respect side of things so well in this story. I thought they really could have and I thought they would have in this match, but I think it was probably one of the poorest matches he's had in his title reign for a title defence and it just, the story didn't make sense. Tribal combat, they were all very respectful beforehand, family don't get involved. Both Solo and Jimmy did and I just, it didn't, like I say, it wasn't bad, but when the problem is everything has been brilliant with this story and this this wasn't. Yeah, and, and I also think that it plays into the hands of folks who there there is a group of people out there, and I entirely respect their views, who have been off the bloodline since the Cody finish. They 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 have they were ready for it to be done with Cody. They feel like the bloodline story could have continued with Cody having the title. They feel Roman is formulaic. And we have said we love it. I think that's a majority, but it's the first time in this storyline I've looked at the criticisms people have had of it. Too long, didn't feel special enough. I was a bit bored at points in the match, Charlie. I can't lie, at 40 minutes, whatever it clocked in it, there were points where I was just a little bit bored. Yeah, I think we have to say the reports that Rome was hurt fairly early on in the match, which could have affected it. And it's always, I think, impressive when that happens and you don't know it's happened in the match. So they, they did very well to work around that if he was hurt, if he is hurt. But yeah, I don't think it needed 40 minutes. And am I at this point, for the first time, a little tired of Roman's in trouble so Solo or an Uso saves him? Yeah, I probably am for the first time. Like, I'd like to see Roman defend one by himself at some point. Like, at some point, I need Roman to be like, yeah, actually, I'm good to do this alone because... I don't think he, I, I can't remember his last clean title defense. No, and and I, I have faith that they will be able to reset this on SmackDown. It just what I think we've been used to is such strong episodic storytelling that it's spurred us on and it's given us faith because we we keep saying let's say they go with Cody at Mania next year. It's a hell of a long way to the Rumble. It's a hell of a long way, but the storytelling has made us think. Yeah, there's loads of ways to get there. Coming out of SummerSlam, I did go. 
this may be a bit of a struggle. This may feel a little bit leggy unless they can just sort of reset a little bit and sell us on why they did this. Because you can put a bad match behind you. And it wasn't bad, but you can put an underwhelming match behind you with a good angle. I'm not sure what they're going to do on SmackDown to sort of turn this round. So, so I'm intrigued on SmackDown to see Jimmy and Jay. I really want to hear Jimmy's reasoning. and I want to see Jay's uh, response. My only slight concern is I've read reports that I don't believe Roman is scheduled back to after Survivor Series. That's a long time for him not to be there. It's a it's a real long time when actually the the Universal Title reign is probably at its slowest and least exciting in this reign now. For him not to be around for a number of months, you're asking a lot of the Usos and Solo to carry the bloodline story. Just just forget our insider fans hat on for a moment. Just if you were trying to explain this from a storyline perspective, this is where I think people are falling down. Jay and Jimmy do what they do at, at WrestleMania, then they turn on Roman Reigns and they pin him at money in the bank. What can the explanation be for Jimmy that doesn't feel a bit, you know, like out of character? Like, and not out of character because that's why he's turned heel, that it just doesn't quite fit. Yeah, it's a real hard one because it's happened very, very quickly. Mm. Um, it's going to come down to, I probably think, the jealousy of way back when this all started, how Jimmy was out injured and Jay didn't mind taking the limelight and since he's always looked down on him and that should have been his limelight and, and all this stuff is probably where it'll come. But that's happened so quickly from Jimmy being the one who caused him to turn on Roman, what, eight weeks ago, six weeks ago? Then money in the bank, then this. It it will be a bit quick. My only thought is, has Heyman had some master stroke in the shadows and something to do with it? And that could be explained that way. But I'll be fascinated tomorrow morning over here when SmackDown's on to be finding out what the reasoning is because it's going to have to be a pretty good reason for it to pass muster, really. Yeah, I agree. Charlie underscore Beckett on Twitter is him. I'm Jack underscore Murley. Let us know what you think. And we know there's nothing more that wrestling fans love than sounding off on topics like this. And this has been controversial. Uh, let's talk about the other world title match on the card. Seth Rollins versus Finn Bauer. I thought it was a really good match. Personally, I was surprised by the outcome and the way it played out. Um, what did you think? Should they have pulled the trigger on a Finn Bauer win? I thought it was an excellent match. I loved... Uh, the action, I love the storytelling, I love the mind games. Seth wearing the vest that Finn got injured against seven years ago. Uh, Finn buckle-bombing him into the barricade, the move that got him injured. I loved how the Judgment Day played into it. Damien Priest was clearly out there trying to help, or so we think. I thought it was fascinating and brilliant. I really thought Finn was going to win. I was. I think Seth Rollins is brilliant. I was disappointed when Finn didn't win, and I really think he should have because it looks like we're moving away from Finn versus Seth for the title. And I think we won't get the chance again to have the title and the briefcase in the same faction. And that's a fascinating storytelling device that we'll miss out on now. Um, but yeah, I've only got a good thing to say about this match apart from the outcome. And it's not the wrong outcome. Seth Rollins is a brilliant champion and deserves to be champion. So I just, I just thought the time was right for Finn. Yeah, I looked at it and I thought, oh, there's... there's... There's money on the table here. There's money on the table, which which you could have got with a, with a Finn Balor storyline. And I just felt they went away from it too quickly, particularly with a new title like this. You can get a lot more blood out of this storyline. And I thought, 
I don't know if on commentary they weren't quite aware of the story they were trying to be telling with Damien Priest because it seemed a little bit convoluted. I just thought, oh, you had a real great opportunity there. But the match, people were invested. And I did do that thing at the end when the Judgment Day spin over the barricades and Damien Priest is coming down and Finn's hitting his finisher. I did buy in. I felt that should have been the finish. And I thought they're stacking it against Seth here. So when he loses, he can say, look at everything I had stacked against me. And actually what happened was Seth had everything stacked against him and he still won, which is not as compelling a story. I think for me, SummerSlam was just a show of slightly odd finishes. And I think that's what left a less than great taste in the mouth of some people. Yeah, and I have to say, I enjoyed SummerSlam. I thought it was a thoroughly good show. I just think WWE are victims of their own success recently. On They have had outstanding pay-per-views recently and this one was only good, probably, I'd say. I think as well, what hurt it, as we'll talk about a little later, is it started so stonkingly strong. But we'll get onto that in a tick. I suppose we can't really complain as wrestling fans if where it looks like we're going is Shinsuke Nakamura against Seth Rollins for the world title. Now, we've been saying for a little while, where is Shinsuke? What's he doing? What's he up to? Well, he came back with a bang on Raw, a heel turn for the Japanese megastar. And maybe, just maybe, we might see Shinsuke unleashed on the main roster in the way he should be for the first time since... God, his debut, maybe. I don't, I don't even know. Yeah, Shinsuke Nakamura is an absolute megastar. And you just he's brilliant. You don't need to go and watch his stuff in New Japan to see this if you're not into that, because it is hard with the Japanese commentary, I understand. Just go and watch his debut against Sami Zayn at, at NXT TakeOver Dallas the night before WrestleMania 32. And just watch him in NXT in those 20 teens. He was electric. He's brilliant. He has the superstar entrance. He's brilliant in the ring. He can speak a bit of English now, which is really helping. I enjoyed him. He actually speaks English. He can put a promo together. Him versus Seth Rollins for a few months for the world title. I'm here for it. I, I think it'd be brilliant and give Shinsuke the run he deserves in the main event that he didn't get when he was up against AJ Styles. They went to that really weird low blow stage. That was very odd. Very, very odd. Give him the run he deserves at the top of the card. I'm very interested to see, because that low blow feud was just... <laughs> You look at AJ and Shinsuke, you can't muck this up. Oh, they're low-blowing each other all the time. Well, it turns out you can muck it up. Very hard to see how people will boo Shinsuke Nakamura because he is so charismatic and so entertaining. It'd be interesting to see whether people will want to boo him. Clearly, that's what they're setting him up for. But you just know, athleticism-wise, Rollins and Shinsuke, let's hope they've got a few months planned for this. Let's hope we get, I don't know, even an Iron Man match or something like that down the road because there is so much potential here. Yeah, this has to be a really brilliant feud, and I'd love to see it blown off with a two out of three falls match or something like that. I think this could be a really, really brilliant feud. And what I think is really exciting is Seth Rollins, the way he is um, presenting this World Heavyweight Championship is almost the way the Intercontinental title is, is the work, the workman title. Like, this will be defended. You will have great matches for this title. Actually, there's been a really good story as well. I think they've done a really good job on how they present the world title. And Seth Rollins, I think, Seth is so consistently brilliant, we probably don't give him the props he deserves, but he is generationally excellent. Yeah, there's a, there's a good podcast to be done at some point for us down the line where you actually, when we talk about icons of this era, Seth Rollins doesn't get the credit he deserves from the cash-in at Mania to the turn on The Shield to everything he's accomplished. Since then, he is a superstar. So the rest of the card then, for me, it started so strong with Ricochet and Logan Paul stealing the show and then straight into Brock and Cody. Two 
four-star matches, and I know star ratings are subjective, but two really enjoyable matches back-to-back. I just thought it very hard for anything to follow those two. Yeah, it started at a million miles an hour, didn't that? Logan Paul Ricochet match was just phenomenal. Phenomenal. And I think both of them come out of it so much better than they were going in. Logan Paul gets a big win. I think his first singles win since his date is his first match against the Miz, isn't it? So he need, he probably needed the win. But of course he cheated to win. And oh, the return of the brass knucks. When did we last see brass knuckles used? Somewhere Ric Flair is over the moon. Ric Flair and William Regal are really happy about that. Um, but it made sense that he cheated like that. I thought everything they did in the ring was sensational. It wasn't just a spot fest. It had storytelling. It was a great match. And it was really nice to see Ricochet straight into that fatal four wave for number one contender for the IC title the next night. Yes, he didn't win, but straight into something feeling important. I think he comes out of it a million times better than he went into this feud. I think Logan Paul, it angers and sickens me to my core how good he is at this. He is sensational. And I think it just did wonders for both of them. And it started the card off brilliantly. What do they always say about wrestling? When you think you're going too slow, go even slower how long that takes to learn. What impressed me so much about Logan Paul wasn't the athleticism, although, my God, the man is an athlete. It's the way he found the hard camera, he's looking at it, he's working the audience, the way he was with Samantha Irvin afterwards, saying, announce my name again. Now, I don't know if he just is instinctively that much of a prick. Probably he is, based on some of his personal situation without knowing him if he's not he's done a good enough job of making me believe it i cannot i I keep i cannot not be entertained by logan paul the person we see on screen he he was for me how mad to say on a card that was as stacked as it was he was the best wrestler on SummerSlam. but for character for performance for delivery he him roman yeah both there both at the same level yeah, for entertainment value and I, I don't disagree. I thought I think he's very, very good. He's so easy to hate. He had a brilliant match. Yeah, I've got no complaints whatsoever. I thought it was brilliant, and I want to see more Logan Paul in WWE. If I think there is a credible argument to be made, I know we keep saying that Rollins against Gunther is is money. I also think Rollins against Logan Paul is a credible WrestleMania headliner. I really do. I really do. The other thing I want to talk about is Brock Lesnar against Cody. The American Nightmare gets a handshake. Brock Lesnar's shorts fall apart. I, Who knows what happened there? But that was a great match with a really unexpected end. They didn't rip, did they? They disintegrated. Sorry, I know it was a great match. We'll get to that set, but his shorts were there and then they weren't. I, I went back to watch it because you couldn't not notice it. And I was like, did... did Cody grab a handful in a suplex or something and, and I can't pinpoint the moment they just like stripper pants this, just fell over and then they were gone and all I'd say is thank god Brock wears something underneath them because just... wouldn't surprise you the sort of man who doesn't so thank god for that Mr Lesnar um, I thought it was brilliant I thought it was a really probably for all round match quality and storytelling and, and athleticism I thought it was the best match of the night I thought the storytelling device of Brock just trying to just annihilate Cody and get him counted out and Michael Cole screaming at him, stay down, Cody, stay down, goddammit. I thought it was excellent. It was probably the match I enjoyed most of the night. And then Brock putting Cody over the way he did after. 
I love that I've read since Cody didn't know that he was going to do that. I was on script and Cody thought Brock was about to throw hands and thought he was about to have a fight. How scary would that be? Um, I thought it was brilliant, the whole thing. And yeah, I when we started this show five years ago now, a uh, former incarnation of the show, I was not a Brock Lesnar fan at all. I thought what he did was no good for the industry. He has changed enormously and I think he is brilliant for what he's doing for wrestling at the moment. And I think I read we won't be seeing him again until Mania season, and I think that's a shame. Yeah, I do. I, I, I want me some more Brock, and I think he's done his work as a heel. I think people want to cheer Brock Lesnar now. I think people do. And look, maybe we get Brock Lesnar against Gunther. I mean, maybe we find that's a... the one. That's that's the one. That is, still, that is the one. It's still sitting out there, isn't it? He's never won the Intercontinental Championship. Brock Lesnar does not have to be your main event now. He can drop down to that quote secondary title that really isn't a secondary title given the way that Gunther has has wrestled for it I mean that is just the big white whale of wrestling so look thumbs up show for you SummerSlam anything that surprised you that didn't happen anything we should be talking about before we move on to all in do we want to do 10 minutes on the MMA rules match no we'll do a quick one of I thought it was rubbish uh get Shane away from this as quickly as possible I think Ronda Rousey it seems like is done with WWE I saw a very good piece today, a tweet, I think, I can't remember, where it was just all about how, yes, her second run has not been good. Let's not pretend it has. But without the first run of Ronda Rousey, we probably don't have the women's division where they are today. They probably don't main event WrestleMania when they do. And I think that's probably true. And that's not taking away from all the brilliant work the women have done. The ones who are out and out wrestlers have been in wrestling for years. But the star power and commitment of Ronda Rousey to come in full-time like she did in that first run that first year, to push women up the card can't be understated. So, yes, this second one has been no good. No, I won't miss Ronda Rousey. I'm not yearning for her on my telly. But let's not forget the great work she did in her first run with WWE. I think that's quite important. Yeah, and I also think she's someone who, regardless of what she does next, if she comes back to WWE motivated or as that first Rousey, she can make herself money again. She just can. Um, Word for Bianca Belair, who was briefly the women's champion and her selling. The best seller ever, ever. I was convinced she'd absolutely crumpled her knee. Convinced. Like, oh, the, the scream, the worry, the fact that Asuka and Charlotte both looked worried, the refs looked worried. She was, ah, oh, and only when she started hobbling out was like, she's not hurt because they'd have her on a stretch if she was hurt. But for a good five minutes, I thought she properly ruined her knee. Yeah, and you are someone who, regrettably, will probably have seen folks do their knee or do serious damage to it. So it's not like... Jack, we had a horrible foot on backwards in my game on Saturday. One of our lads broke and escaped his ankle on Saturday. So yeah, I've seen them. Yeah. So, well, God bless him and hope he's all right because that is nasty. But you know what you're looking for and you know what's real and you know what isn't. So for her to convince you, Ruffy Tufty rugby player who's seen it all, that actually this could be real, we got to cash in as well. I saw someone give that triple threat match online one star. Now, star ratings don't mean anything, but how you could give it one star is beyond me. Big clunky? Maybe. Not, not, yeah, not the best triple threat match I've ever seen, not the best women's match, not the best wrestling match. A perfectly good match. Like I, w- I didn't think it was bad. I thought it was a good match. I thought it was a great cash and a great moment after. So the whole segment, the whole thing, I'm really excited for Io Sky as a uh, champion, especially with the fact it looks like Kari Sane is coming back to WWE. Mm. That's exciting because let's get those two in, in the ring and let them cook. Um, 
So no, someone give him one star. Honestly, some people just want to be unhappy, don't they? Yeah, I, I don't see how anyone could give that one star. So look, is, is it fair to say, I think you probably enjoyed SummerSlam more than I did, and I enjoyed it plenty at the start, and then I was a little tired by the end. Is it fair to say that it was a match, it, it was a night that maybe on paper promised more than it delivered on the night? Maybe just wasn't as good as the yeah. sum of its parts? I think that's very fair. I think that's very fair. I think it's still mad that the biggest pop of the night was for LA Knight winning the sausage stick rumble. I've been in a few of those. <laughs> I put it out there. I didn't know if you were going to take it, but you did. I've said that. Man. Yes, yes. Let's keep him going. Um, I, I always use a different word there, but I didn't because I didn't want to get too far. Um, no, that man is so, so over. And I'm sure we'll touch on Raw later and what a great Raw it was. Mm. But I think putting him with the Miz next is a stroke of genius. Yeah. Go on. Just tell me your highlights of Raw because it was a really good show. Also, Michael Cole in the booth on Raw as well. Nice to have him back on Raw. He is doing the best work of his career. Michael Cole's do five hours of wrestling a week. Like, that's a lot. Michael Cole is just sensational. Best Raw in a long time, I think. Chad Gable winning was brilliant. Yep. Chad Gable Gunther's going to be outstanding. Miz and LA Knight, that's really, really exciting. And oh boy, their crowd were eating that up. Um... Sammy's elbow is gnarly, isn't it? It's just I was reading, it's just a bursar. It's not actually that. It looked horrible, but it's not a serious injury at all. Um, Rollins Nakamura. Yeah, I think that was a brilliant Raw. Really, it, really good Raw. It had the vibe of a Raw after WrestleMania. And it probably needed it a little bit to get the taste of SummerSlam out of the mouth of some people. So look, WWE is in a good place, even if SummerSlam wasn't perhaps what everyone had hoped it may have been with very, very high expectations. It happens. It's life. He's Charlie underscore Beckett. I'm Jack underscore Murley. Rate, review and subscribe. Let's do a bit of AEW because some big matches confirmed for All In. We now know we'll get the rubber match, third of the bunch between FTR and the Young Bucks for the AEW Tag Team Championships. Darby Allen and Sting has been signed against the Mogul Embassy. Who cares about them? But it'll be a tag team coffin match. Also looking almost certain that CM Punk and Samoa Joe will be signed for Wembley. And we know that MJF and Cole will have a tag team match on the pre-show with Aussie Open for the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championship. I mean, this, this card, Charlie, it must be said, is coming together in a pretty chaotic way. But what we're getting is pretty strong. I can't keep up with how it's getting put together. It's carnage. I don't know what is a match, what isn't a match, what's going on. But it's going to be a very good cast. It's definitely going to be too long. I think we all know that. Uh, but it's going to be brilliant. I think I didn't have MJF and Cole down wrestling twice. That wasn't on my bingo card. Um, I think they're going to win the ROH tag titles early doors. Then one of them's going to turn on the other and no one's going to know what to do about it. I'm not sure if we've thought that through. Um, I think... Young Bucks versus FTR will be sensational. I think that makes sense to have it there. Samoa Joe Ponky thought of 80,000. Incredible. Did I see Darby Allen and Sting in a tag match? No. And did I see them in a, Sting, uh, sorry, in a coffin tag match? Definitely not. But very cool that Sting will get that moment in front of that, that many fans. And very cool that so many UK fans will get the chance to see Sting live, which probably never thought they would. Apart from WrestleMania... This must be the biggest crowd that Sting will ever, ever have performed in front of because WCW never did these numbers. Um, NWA never did these numbers unless Sting was part of that card in North Korea, which did 130,000. But fair to say that the audience in North Korea didn't uh, really have a choice in going to see that in 95. 
it is mad that a bloke in his, I think, early 60s, I may be wrong on that, certainly pushing 60 if he's not there already, is going to be out in front of 80,000. He has earned this moment. And if you consider the way that WWE was using him, he's made the right choice in leaving and, and, and knowing his own value to go to AEW. 100%. Going to AEW has given Sting the final run that he would have wanted, the fans would have wanted, he deserved. So it's... It's one of those stories that we're so pleased it was there for him to do. Now, he obviously got hurt in WWE with that match with Seth Rollins. You don't know what would have happened if he hadn't. But I'm just so pleased for him that he's got what he deserves because wrestling in the last 30 years, you can't tell the story without Sting. He He's beyond influential. And you look as well and you think, for Punk and Samoa Joe, who would ever have thought that they would ever be in a position where they would be sat backstage at Wembley preparing a match in front of 80,000. I mean, this time last year, would we even think CM Punk would be back? I know you had concerns about him coming back. What do you make of the CM Punk we've seen since he's come back? And what do you feel about him and Joe at Wembley? I think him and Joe and Wembley will be sensational. I think the pop when Punk goes to the top row and jumps and Joe just walks away, which is just the smartest thing any wrestler's ever done. I've got so much time for it. And the fact that only Samoa Joe does it is brilliant, and everyone will go berserk for that. They'll have a great match. Um, what do I think of the punk we've seen since he's been back? We haven't seen that much, have we, really? Which is fairly telling, maybe. I think he's probably just being a good boy. He'll get us all excited. We'll get back in the world title picture, and then we'll do something silly. That, that, that seems to be the story of CM Punk. But he, I hope I'm wrong. He has burnt his bridges with you, hasn't he? He's he's got a long yes. way to go before he can make it up to check. You are I can see what sort of captain you are. You are a fair one, but cross you too many times. It's very hard to get back in your good books. Yeah, I'll need a public apology from Sam Punk in the, in Wembley. After the match. I, I think what's going on here is I think what we're gonna see is Adam Cole take a finisher for MJF in the pre show. So they're evened out, and that's why they don't win the ROH Tag Team Championships. And I think we get, as you said last week, I think we get some sort of Ring of Honor reunion in the main event and Cole screws MJF. I cannot see how MJF becomes a heel in all of this because Roddy Strong is the most annoying man in wrestling. I don't know if we're meant to feel sympathetic for him. <laughs> God, he... Well, let's get into MJF and Cole this week because it might have been my favourite week, yeah. Okay, so I mean, go on. Well, they went to the trampoline park and played dodgeball, and MJF just started wailing on the kids, just going at them. And these poor kids who've been signed up by their parents for this. And then Cole's trying to stop him, and the kid's rude to him, and Cole signs off on him, just chucking these balls at him. Then they come to the ring, and they're talking about it, and then MJF thinks they want to have a promo battle, and MJF just goes in on Cole. And if you haven't seen his line about Hulk Hogan, Go and find it because it's just, I mean, how he got that past the lawyers at AW letting him say it, basically accusing Hulk Hogan of taking Class A drugs. I'll never know. I highly doubt he did put it past them. I reckon as he said that, there was lawyers in the back whose heads were just exploding. Um, And then Roddy Strong came out. Yeah, he is bloody annoying, isn't he? Like, I know him and Cole are friends. I know he's feeling a bit left out, but God, just get a grip of yourself, man. But what MJF said to him was, I can't remember it word for word verbatim, but he basically just calls him a massive loser and tells him to go home and cry about it. And then Cole pushes him and they're, they're very cleverly stoking the flames of Cole is going to use Roddy to turn MJF. And I do agree. I think MJF, MJF does have to come out as the face in this. Like 
when he's playing to the crowd and saying, Daddy's doing anything for a cheap pop, he loves it. But my only thought is, we're all thinking this. We're all meant to think this. Wouldn't it just be the most MGF thing in the world to turn beforehand? To screw him first? It would be the most AEW thing. For, for the character MJF, sure, it would be the most MJF thing he could do. But for AEW, to see the money on the table for an MJF face turn that everyone is clamouring for and go, no, 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 we'll go with more heel MJF. It would be the most Tony Khan thing you could do. The guy has to be. He is a face. He is a face. Adam Cole is one of the greatest heels in the industry. You've got all the parts. I'm begging Tony Khan for once. Don't overthink it. Give the people what they want. What's going to get you more likely to come back and watch an AEW? Because you are a WWE guy. Is it face MJF chasing heel Adam Cole? Is it face Adam Cole chasing heel MJF? It is 100% face MJF with heel Adam Cole. It's also Adam Cole as champ. Like, if if MJF stays as champ and the, the status quo remains, that's less interesting for me as a face MJF and a new champion Adam Cole. Yeah, and a really credible champ who MJF... And, and the story, as we said before, of MJF letting down his guard for once. I ju- they just have to go with it, which is why probably on the show after All In, we'll be talking about how they went in a completely different direction and they got the finish roll. But I think that card's coming together nicely. I saw someone say online, and they're right, it is mad for the biggest show that AEW have ever put together, which they must have known was coming for a while. It feels like most of the build has happened in six weeks. Bit strange. Yeah, I, I, and there's still, uh, we are three weeks away, and there's still some big AW names yet to land on that card like where's Kenny Omega going Mm. where are the Blackpool Combat Club going are the Hardys going to wrestle like there's still a lot of big names yet to land on that card I as a fan who has tickets would much rather have a smaller card with less names than every big name you can think of because we were at Clash fair to say that by the end of the main event we we had probably taken as much wrestling as we could and that was three and a half hours, maybe a little bit longer. Yeah. Any more than that, if they'd have bought out a Cena or they bought out an Orton or whatever, great, they'd have got a pop, but we would have been knackered. Jack, I want you to think about this. When you go to All In, which, by the way, I'm jealous. I wish I was going as well. Think about how long we watched wrestling at Clash. Think about how long we were in the car park after waiting to get out. I know. You'll be watching wrestling for that and more. And it's not like... There is just too much of a good thing. There really is. You should leave the audience wanting more, leave it rather than the other way around. Um, it's going to be a great show regardless. Let, let's do everyone's favourite part of the podcast. Something from everyday life that uh, we love and earns a push and something that goes back to developmental. First or second for you? I'll go first this week. Mine are fairly quick. Go for it. Uh, earn the push, and I can't remember how I mentioned it yet, is just how good coffee is in Australia. Oh my God, they know how to do coffee over here. Um, like to the point where if just a standard cup of coffee I get on order of flat white. If I got it anywhere in England, that would be the only place I'd go for coffee. Like I got one at a garage the other day, just a shell, I think it was. And this man made me like a handcrafted barista coffee that was the best thing I've ever seen. I was like, normally you get out of a normally you get a machine at a garage. I've been here three and a bit months now. I've had one bad coffee, so I accidentally went to the complete wrong place and the lads laughed at me after. So just the coffee out here is sensational, so I'd like to give that a little bit of a push. Where is your favourite place, if you had to? Oh, that's such a tough one, because we are doing, <laughs> my mother half and I are just going through a list of, like, on TripAdvisor of all the cafes. We don't. We haven't gone back to too many places, 
but there is a place in um where is it in surrey hills in the middle of sydney that is called npp i do not know what it stands for but they make sensational coffee in there that's all the top of my head okay well a shout out but then i went to a place called brick's kitchen this morning and that was excellent just just the cafe at the park a ride park around the corner is sensational so everywhere he's in coffee lovers heaven so that's earning the push what's going back to developmental Oh, I've encountered loads of rude people this week. In Australia? Rude people. Yeah, and not like awfully rude, just like getting in the lift before you get out. Oh. Or getting on the train before you get off. Not saying thank you when you let someone out at a junction where you have right of way, but you let them out. Like, not big rude things, not bad rude, just like annoyingly little rude things. I must have been counted about five or six this week. It's just really annoyed me. But that is what adds up. Like one person being massively rude, you go, well, what an idiot they are. But lots of little rude yeah. things, no, they begin to grate on you. Like how hard is it just to put your hand up at a junction and say thank you? Exactly. And everyone in the world knows if you're getting off of something, like a train or out of a lift, you have right of way there. Everyone knows that. I don't think they do. I think... My experiences have not been that in other places in the world. I think this is one of the things us Brits do very well that others would do well to learn from. So, well, maybe that's it for that one. Maybe that's it. But yeah, like, just no, like, say nothing big, nothing shocking, nothing that we'll write home about, but enough to just add up this week that it's really annoyed me. Just to rile you. Well, I'm going to add to that because my back to developmental isn't a huge thing. It is just there is too much choice on streaming services. I'm overwhelmed by the choice. I don't, I don't know if you're keeping up with UK culture being where you are in Australia. I know you're living your life down there. But I'm in that stage where people keep saying to me, you need to watch this. You need to watch that. This is really good. Have you seen this? Here's this other amazing thing. I don't, I don't know where to start. I think society is giving us too much choice and I think it's a danger. Don't let me start because over here, I've had to subscribe to two other subscription services because I had to subscribe to Stan so I could watch all the other games because it's on Stan Sport. And then you can't just get just Stan Sport. You have to get Stan as well. And that has a load of TV shows that are on like bits of like Sky Atlantic that I don't have in England. So like, oh, I could watch them while I'm here. And then I went to load the WWE Network to watch Money in the Bank. And they don't carry WWE Network here. Like it's Peacock in America. Yeah. It's on a subscription service called Binge here. But having your WWE Network subscription doesn't automatically get your Binge subscription. So I subscribe to Binge, and they've got a load of stuff that's on like Paramount Plus that I don't have. So I now have more options, and I have to use, if I want to take them, I've only got three more weeks to watch them. It, it's too much. It is too much. It is, and, and society, I think, is breaking down as a result of it. I will go that far to say, forget global warming, forget terrorism. This is the biggest threat facing society. It's too much choice. Yeah, and like, you have Netflix... Amazon Prime, Disney Plus, there's three straight away. I'm like, I need all three of them because I watch the stuff. I have to watch all three of them. Yeah. And then people are like, oh, have you watched Ted Lasso? I'm like, no, I'd love to watch Ted Lasso. I've heard it's brilliant, but I haven't got Apple TV because I haven't got another tenner just to chuck away a month. It, it, it's ridiculous. So I, I, well, I'm glad you're with you're me. Me going here now. I'm angry about it. Welcome. Come in. Come to my. Come to my back to developmental. My earning the push. Butterflies and caterpillars. I've given over. And now we're now we're back and yeah. happy and just central. Now we can breathe because my garden, I've given over a little part of it. Sort of inadvertently, I didn't realise the butterflies were laying eggs on part of them. And I went out and there is a ton of caterpillars 
and I can't kill them. I'm too nice to kill them. So I'm just letting them go then. I've got a little caterpillar crash outside and there's, I'm not joking, about 50 caterpillars just sitting on the leaves, eating it, loving life. We, as a society, we don't talk enough about how mental it is that caterpillars become butterflies, by the way. I know. And I'm a pretty educated guy and I didn't realise, I, I didn't click that the butterfly sitting on the leaf laying eggs was going to eventually lead to caterpillars till I went out and there are about, yep, yeah, 50 of them. Like, it's, it's bonkers. They're caterpillars for a bit, then they go in a cocoon, and they wake up, and they're a completely different animal. It would be like a dog going for a sleep and waking up, and it's an elephant. And, I'm, and you're going to people are going to listen to that and go, "That's a bit drastic." No, no, it's not. Or a cat going for a sleep, waking up, and goes, "Oh, I'm an eagle." That's how different they are. Did you not think we got it after the first metaphor? Well, no, I had to get the idea of the wings in on the second one. Okay. I can just see you doing this around 10 more minutes. It's like a Good, fish just go and go. coming to sleep and waking up as a fridge. Okay, we started on the fish out there that go to sleep as a man and wake up as a woman because there's one fish that does that and that's mental. I know, and they, and they take it in turns as well. They know it's yeah, a hierarchy no. thing. Don't you think we're so boring that we can just be one thing? I'd love it if one day we did this podcast, I turned on the Zoom and you had become something completely different overnight. Ah, oh, Charlie's a leopard. He's a grandfather clock. Just, just in the clock. Brothers, there was just a deodorant here instead as I picked up from over there. Well, I think we should talk... We've completely lost our minds on this one. This might be this might yeah. be the one that we've lost our minds on. Yeah, I think we've driven away any listeners we may have had. Look, let's bring it back to wrestling very quickly. Although, can I just ask this, because we mentioned streaming services. Have you been able to find the Cody documentary anywhere? No, I haven't looked. I'll have a look on Binge and see if I can get it in Australia. Because is it not on the network? Because normally it goes on Peacock yeah. in America, but comes on the network, doesn't it? I'd be interested if any of our listeners have managed to find it because I tried to watch it the other day and I couldn't find it, but they've done an update on my network so it looks slightly different, so it might just be user error. But um, if you've found it, let us know. Uh, final thought, Charlie, what happens on SmackDown tonight? Give us our three-sentence summary of what goes on. What are you seeing? Jay and Jimmy confrontation. We're not totally happy with the explanation. Oh, that rhymed. Oh my God, he's the doctor of thug thugonomics, folks. He's here. Uh, return of the C Nation. Return of the C Nation. Well, if ever there was a symbol that we needed to wrap up today's episode, I think Charlie rapping would be it. Uh, look, it's been a busy wrestling week. Remember to follow him on socials. He's Charlie underscore Beckett. I'm Jack underscore Merley. You've got more than 100 episodes to listen to in the back catalogue. Rate, review and subscribe to Earning the Push wherever you listen. But for today, mercifully, we are out of time. On behalf of Charlie and myself, thanks for listening and see you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>